Sports fans, betters, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and this morning's show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about the day that was in the sports world, and boy, was it a loaded one with all those Game 7s, including our athlete today, Athletes of the Day. We then talk about the day's upcoming events and we give you our bets that we like, including our competitive hedge lay of the day. But with that, our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. For all our Canadian listeners, Bet99 offers you a sports welcome offer when you join today using the promo code SHOOTERS. Bet99 will match your deposit 100% up to $600. So head over to Bet99 today to make your bets. Use the bets from the show. Uh, we encourage you, while we do have a parlay, feel free to bet them straight up as well and follow our social media accounts to find our fan parlays and our other plays that we like. Been dropping the ball a little bit on the fan parlays. Might drop one later on today. We'll have to wait and see. But with that, let's get into uh, yesterday's sports with our athlete. Today, it's athletes of the day because in game sevens, you often find these unsung heroes. And these two guys definitely deserve it. First of all, Max Domi of the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, three points in a game seven. The guy only had 12 minutes and 55 seconds of ice time yesterday, but he took advantage of it. He scored a scrappy second goal, you know, a deflection, and then he goes in and he picks it up and pots it in the net. But he took advantage. He played hard yesterday. He had three points. Three to two was the final, so he contributed to all of those goals in some way or another. So Max Domi deserves the first shout-out. And then Nick Paul deserves a shout-out from the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, they win the game yesterday 2-1, to one, and Nick Paul scores the two goals that are needed for the Tampa Bay Lightning to advance past the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we had to give a double athlete shout-out of the day. We're going to get more into our NHL playoffs later on in the show. Uh, we have a special guest, Jurgen Coney, who's been on the show before, to talk about those Game 7s and the ones coming up today as well. So that will come later on in the show. Now let's talk about last night's bets. I mean, (laughs) two two hockey plays yesterday. Tampa Bay, money line, plus 105. That one hits. Um, I think a lot of people were on Tampa just given Toronto's history of game sevens. And so Tampa Bay, as the underdog, wins on the road. The Bruins and Hurricanes over five and a half. That one just barely misses for us. Three to two is the final. Couldn't get that empty netter to really secure it uh and it was three to one at the end of the second so we're on pace but nonetheless three to two final that one misses guardians money line versus the twins at minus 130 we cashed that one yesterday shane bieber had a nice performance on the mound i think he went seven innings and they were able to win it three to two in the 10th 
And then our alt lay play, we didn't need it, but I'm glad that we didn't because Dodgers money line versus the Phillies, they lose outright eight to three. So not very close on that Dodgers line. So with that, we've talked about yesterday. Let's get into uh, what happened uh, in other sports yesterday for our daily news dump. Our MLB lines will run through these pretty quickly. The Cardinals won four to nothing versus the Giants. Dakota Hudson gets the win there. The Braves won six to five versus the Padres. Kenley Jansen, the closer, picks up the win as it was a close game late. The A's beat the Angels in their first game four to three. The A's scored three in the bottom of the ninth to win that first one. And then in the doubleheader, the Angels win nine to one versus the A's. Then we had the Tigers three to nothing versus the Orioles. Willie Peralta gets the win and Gregory Soto with the save. The Jays win 5-1 to one versus the Rays. Tim Meza with the W there. Marlins 9-3 to three versus the Brewers. Trevor Rogers picks up a win with 8Ks. He's on my fantasy team, so shout out to Trevor. Pirates 3-1 to one versus the Reds. Zach Thompson with the win. Red Sox 11-3 to three versus the Rangers. Rich Hill picks up the win on the mound. Nationals 13 to 6 versus the Astros. Josh Rogers with the W there. The White Sox 3 to 2 versus the Yankees. Liam Hendricks, the closer, gets the win. Guardians, we talked about already, get the win. Bieber didn't get the win. Nick Sandin did, but Emmanuel Chase gets the save as well. The Mets 5 to 4 versus the Mariners. The Cubs 4 to 3 versus the Diamondbacks. The Rockies 10 to 4 versus the Royals. And the Phillies 8 to 3 versus the Dodgers. Then we had WNBA games yesterday. Phoenix wins 69 to 64 versus the Seattle Storm. Seattle went in with no Brianna Stewart. She's uh, in health and safety protocols right now. But Diana Taurasi with a great game for Phoenix. She finished with 24 points, five rebounds. Skylar Diggins didn't have her best shooting night, six of 20, but she did finish with 14 points in the win. On the Seattle side, Sue Bird was one of 11 from the field. She really struggled. But Jewel Lloyd finished with 26 and 5 in the loss. They need Stewart back pretty quickly if they're going to start to rack up some wins in that Western Conference. The Connecticut Sun, 77 to 60 versus the LA Sparks. Big game for Alyssa Thomas. She had 23 points, 11 rebounds, and five assists on the night for the Sun. John Quell Jones also with a double double with 16 and 12. On the Sparks side of things, Liz Cambage. Just 10 points, four rebounds, while Canada and Oga, wow, I can't pronounce it. They finished with 12 points each. Chicago wins 82-78 to versus the Minnesota Lynx. Emma Messiman with 17 points and seven steals in the win. Courtney Vandersloot with 16 and 11, a solid double-double by her. And Candace Parker with 11 points on four of nine shooting. When we're talking about the Lynx side of things, this is a bad team this year. Sylvia Fowles, though, with another great game. She had 16 and 11. And then Nicolina Milic with 18 points off the bench for the Minnesota Lynx. Then on the golf side of things, AT&T, Byron Nelson. We're in for an exciting Sunday for this one. Sebastian Munoz, he continues to lead at minus 21. He shot six under yesterday. Jordan Spieth's one shot back. He shot a minus eight yesterday to be at minus 20. And then Joaquin Neiman at minus 19. He shot a minus seven yesterday. I think whoever gets to minus 28 today wins the tournament. Um, Munoz shooting a minus seven should get it done. But you never know when you've got guys like Spieth and Neiman on your tail. We could see some high scores today. 
uh, gearing up for the PGA Championship next week. We're going to do a full-on breakdown on the show next week, which will not have Phil Mickelson now competing. We thought he was going to go in. Unfortunately, he's not now. Then on the soccer side of things, FA Cup final yesterday, Liverpool wins on penalties versus Chelsea. Chelsea's third straight loss in the FA Cup final. It's just really tough to see. They lost once again to Liverpool in the shootout. Only two shots on goal for either team in regulation, but the shootout definitely delivered. Aspilicueta, he missed the second shot for Chelsea, and then it looked like it was going to get closed out by Sadio Mane, but Mane misses on the fifth kick, and so uh, Mason Mount on the seventh misses for Chelsea, and Tismikis scored to win it for Liverpool. So they win that trophy. They've still got the league that they could win and the Champions League as well. Mo Salah, though, was injured in the game, so we're waiting to see how long he's going to be out. That could be a major uh, storyline for them moving forward to see whether or not they're going to have their best player offensively. Now let's talk about some other EPL games that happened today, and they just finished now, so I'll definitely have to uh, read these off my phone as we go. But Tottenham won earlier this morning 1-0 versus Burnley. Harry Kane scored a PK in the 45th plus 8 minute. Then we had Aston Villa and Crystal Palace. They finished 1-1. Leeds in Brighton. Massive result here where Leeds picked up a point because Leeds were trailing in the 90 plus second minute. They get a crucial point. They are right there with Burnley. We mentioned that they lost earlier today. They've got Aston Villa in another game left, whereas Leeds only has Brentford on the road. And Leeds has to be a point clear due to goal differential. So they are currently a point clear, but they have one less game left. If they would have lost that game, they would have been in serious doubt to stay up. Now they have a fighting chance. Leicester wins 5-1 to one versus Watford. Not a particularly close game there. Uh, lots of goals from Vardy and Madison and others. Uh, Watford heading down to the championship next year. West Ham, 2 to nothing. they were leading versus Manchester City. But City fights back. They score two in the second half. One from Grealish, one an own goal. And so they draw West Ham 2-2. Two to two. And then Wolverhampton and Norwich are 1-1 to one final there. So what this means is Man City, if Liverpool wins their next game, then they will be one point clear with a couple games to go. That is a massive result there. If we're talking about who's going to win the league in the EPL, it's going to come down to the final day. We'll have to wait and see how that Liverpool and Southampton game goes on Tuesday. We're looking forward to that one for sure. Now let's talk about uh, some games on the slate for today. Uh, not No game lines to monitor. Uh, we think that we're, we're pretty confident with who's going to be playing and who's not in a lot of these games. But we'll start with the WNBA. We do have a WNBA doubleheader today. The Dallas Wings, who are 1-1, one one, they take on the New York Liberty, who are 1-2. Arika Bungawale, she was phenomenal for Dallas in their last game. She had 27-4-4 and on Friday. And then Sabrina Ionescu, one of the marquee players in the league, she had 31-7 and on Friday as well. So we'll see if these two battle today. An exciting game between uh, two up-and-coming teams in Dallas and New York. And then the other up-and-coming teams are Atlanta and Indiana. And Atlanta's got Rin Howard. She's been leading the way for this Dream Squad so far. They're 2-1 and one on the year. And they're taking on an Indiana team that's 2-2, two and two, led by Kelsey Mitchell. 
definitely some games you want to keep an eye on. Betting wise, I would have to check what the lines are at right now. Uh, unfortunately, with WNBA, for some reason, the score app, they are very late in getting out their WNBA plays. So I'm just going to look at them really quickly here. So they do have New York as minus one and a half today and the over under at 165. I like the under there and I do like New York to win and cover at minus one and a half. And then Atlanta, they are plus two and a half versus Indiana today. The over under is 158 and a half. I like the over in that game and I like Atlanta to upset at plus two and a half. If you want to take the money line, it is plus 105 there for the WNBA. Now let's talk about NBA playoffs because we've got two game sevens today. Shout out to Chris LeBron, who was on the show yesterday. We talked about these games. And so we'll just give a quick recap of what my thoughts are going into this game. Uh, With the Milwaukee and Boston one to start, the over-unders at 206 and Boston's minus five today. Boston, they need another efficient shooting night from Tatum. He was great in game six. Um, Smart or Horford need to help offensively, if not both of them. Um, and you cannot let the Bucks roll, guys, get open looks. That's going to be the key to this game. Giannis, we've seen him feast all series. When he gets help from whether it's Portis or Lopez or Connaughton or Grayson Allen, well, Grayson Allen hasn't done anything. I should take his name out of there. But nonetheless, these roll guys, if they are not getting open shots and they're missing, then they definitely have a great shot at winning this game. So I would tend to favor, I'm going with Milwaukee today. Uh, I do think that they're going to win the game. At the very least, I would take Milwaukee plus five. I think it's going to be a tight game. The over 206 is another one that I like. I do think that we're going to see this one not blow past it, but I could see this game finishing 106 to 103 type range. So I think Vegas has this one right where it should be. Dallas and Phoenix, I'm a little bit different on. Uh, Over under 205. I think they're scared after how those game fives and sixes went because they were 30 point blowouts. Like they were hovering around that 205, but you had one team that was scoring 115 and then the other team's putting up just 85. I don't think that's going to be the case today. Phoenix is minus six and a half, but I do think that Dallas, someone not named Luka Doncic has to do something today and Jalen Brunson because whether it's Dinwiddie, Kleber, Finney Smith, Bullock, Powell, Whoever it is, they need a couple guys to hit double-digit points today. If they show up, then they're in a lot of trouble if you're Phoenix. And Dallas also has to win that three-point battle. That's what this team is built off of. If they hit 15-plus threes, I think they're in a great spot to upset and win Game 7. On the Phoenix side of things, you're just trying to make things difficult for Luka. you got to contest every shot. you got to make things, make him work for it, be physical with them. He's not going to he's going to embrace the physicality, but at the very least, you need to make it difficult for him. And then Chris Paul or Mikhail Bridges, one of you guys has to show up because offensively, you guys have been abysmal the last number of games. The fact that you blew them out in game 5 really hid the fact that you guys didn't do a lot in that game, but game 6, you know, showed as well. So, let's see if the point god is actually a point god or if he's going to be a point fraud today in game 7. Now, Let's talk about player prop lines for the day. I like Giannis over 35 and a half points. I think he's dropping 40 today, um, minus 114 on that line. And then I like the Tatum over 30 and a half at minus 141. I think we see these guys duel again today. Who knows who's going to come out on top? But I think nonetheless, both of them are going to show up in a big way. And with that, we'll go into our competitive lay of the day. 
This is our three-team parlay. No odds worse than minus 150. We're only looking to put out winners here. Um, so let's get into it. New York Rangers money line versus Pittsburgh, minus 150 today. No Crosby, once again, no problem for the Rangers. Because once Crosby went out, this series completely changed. We're going to get into that in a minute with our special guest, Jurgen Coney. But they didn't. They came back from 3-1, to one, and I find it very difficult to see them losing Game 7 at home now. I think Shesterkin's going to play well. He hasn't had a great series, but I think he's going to play well today. The Rangers must get to Domingue early. They need to get the Garden involved. If you can score a quick goal or two, you can put him away early. But I do think that they need to not let him settle in. Because once he settles in, then we saw what happened yesterday with Vasilevsky. Settles in, and then he's able to have a great performance. Milwaukee Bucks money line versus Boston, plus 170. I'm rolling with it today. Giannis is getting it done. I just, I just believe that he's going to have a special day today. He was great in Game 5. Even in Game 6, he didn't get a lot of help at home. I think they win on the road Game 7. Boston are a very solid team but I just think the Bucks are going to be too much for them. And then I'm rolling with that Mavericks and Suns over 205. I like the money line for Dallas too, but like, let's not get too out of hand here with two teams that are uh, five or more uh, underdog, five or more point underdogs uh, winning outright. So we're rolling with the over 205. This might be uh, me being hopeful for Dallas, but I think they're going to have a great performance today, win or lose. I think there's no 30-point blowouts here like we saw in the last two games. And so over 205 at minus 110. The odds on the parlay are plus 759. So definitely go and check those out at Bet99. Use promo code SHOOTERS. And then our alt-lay play of the day. There's going to be no rain delay or no play because no baseball games. But we're rolling with the Astros money line regardless at minus 180. The line's a bit juiced, but you got Verlander going against Patrick Corbin. I'm rolling with Verlander, the veteran to get it done today so with that we haven't chatted about these nhl playoffs because we were waiting for our special guest and so we are going to get into our nhl game sevens both yesterday and today with he's got his name as iceman jerg jerg how you doing today man appreciate you coming on the show oh absolutely it's been way too long since i've been on in part due to work scheduling i apologize for that work life is just absolutely crazy ken if you know how it is in terms of work-life balance it's absolutely nuts but I'm happy to finally be able to be on uh, during my little four-day break from work that I got here. And I, I brought my podcast equipment because, ladies and gentlemen, if you stay ready, you never got to get ready. We're here, boys. We're set. I, I'm happy. I'm back in NYC. I'm back home. You know, it's good vibes only, Kev. Glad to hear it, man. So we're going to chat about these NHL Game 7s. We're going to talk about the three from last night. Maybe the teams moving forward and the teams heading home, what, what they should be doing moving forward but we're going to start with that Carolina and Boston game uh three to two final yesterday we gave our unsung hero yesterday was Max Domi uh the fact that he played just shy of 13 minutes and had three points he, he really showed up and showed out so Ranta had 27 saves Tara Vinen added the third that they needed and then on the Boston side you had Swayman with 28 saves and then Pasternak and DeBrusque scored the goals although the Pasternak one came very late in that game so Jerg, what did you make of this series as a whole? I Did you have Carolina coming into it? And and who do you think was the key to this series? Uh, so I, I did have Carolina coming in. I had them in six games, actually. So one more game than I figured. And pro- I think halfway through the series, I kind of realized, like, Boston's probably going to win in game six if if they're down. Um, 
I think the just the biggest takeaway for me was just how physical this series became and how really both teams is just kind of like it, it's funny enough you were talking about in the NBA just the difference between the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns how they they are versus who's the home team that's kind of what this series really felt like it's like on home ice Carolina was just you know uh, far and above the first two games of the series if you look at it Boston did not look like they deserve to be on the ice in those first two games. They just didn't. The defense was so poor. Uh, but the shift, the series really shifted in well, once they went back to Boston that first time, in part because they ran with Jeremy Swayman, which I think was ultimately the decision I had actually called for it on my podcast. Uh, after seeing the first two games, we were like, yeah, I think Swayman needs to be the guy and met all, net all due respect to Linus Olmark. And I, I think that's where it changed for Boston. But ultimately, the the biggest thing that it came down to was just Carolina's depth coming through. Because we know Carolina, we know the big names on this team. Sveshnikov, Sebastian Ajo, those guys are big. But when you have the rest of that team firing for you, you get the two goals from Domi yesterday. Seth Jarvis, I forget which game in the series was, but he ended up having two goals in one of these games. When you get some of these other pieces to really play and perform for you, I think that's what ended up being the biggest difference. Because for me, at least Boston's bottom six did a pretty good job consistently throughout the series. And the only way you're going to beat another team's bottom six is if yours comes up big. And I think that's what happened for Carolina. And Antti Ranta just did slightly better enough in net than Swayman to ultimately get the get the victory in that game seven. Which, by the way, I actually noticed this last night, Ken. Both former Arizona Coyotes goalies last season, Darcy Kemper, Antti Ranta, both of them on playoff teams and they're going around too. Good, good for those guys. <laughs> and you know what? I, I was very skeptical of Ranta coming in. And I think it's because you see him play in Arizona and you can often forget like, it doesn't help him that he's got a terrible team in front of him and it can sometimes make goalies look a lot worse. And you can also see it where goalies look a lot better when they're on great teams as well. So with this series, yeah, I mean, after game two, I was like, wow, Carolina seems like they're going to blow the doors off of them. But that Boston top line showed up and showed out the last four or five games of that series. My question is moving forward, I mean, for both teams. So on the Carolina side, it sounds like Freddie Anderson is going to be good to go for the next series at some point. But Ranta played so well in this series. I talked about him at home. I think he only gave up like six goals in four home games. Like that's crazy numbers in the playoffs against a team like Boston that has all that firepower. So if you're Carolina, are you going to Freddie Anderson, the guy that was great for you all year long? Or are you continuing to ride the hot hand with Ranta the way that he's played? I think the history of the NHL playoff shows us that teams are going to be willing to ride the hot hand. And I think they're going to give anti Ranto more than a fair chance at it. I will say, I think the leash is a little bit short now that Frederick Anderson is coming back because he did have that fantastic regular season. I, my only sticking point with Freddie is that it like, it, it sounds like he's ready to go, but is he hundred percent? Cause we saw last season for Toronto, funny enough, the massive difference between a healthy Frederick Anderson and a injured Frederick Anderson, who wasn't all the way there. He was so bad in his, at the end of his tenure in Toronto because of injury that he, that Carolina got him on the cheap. Like let, let's be earlier. They got him on a more than affordable contract. If Frederick Anderson were to hit for agency after this season, he would get a big deal with how he played this year. Yeah, definitely. I, I think they should ride the hot hand at least until like, I, I don't want him to rush back because I believe they get the winner of the Rangers and Penguins. So I feel like you can almost have a little bit of leeway because I'm not too worried about either team, if, right. if I'm being 100% honest, because if Pittsburgh doesn't have Crosby, who knows how long, or if it's going to be the Rangers, Shesterkin hasn't looked great either this postseason, you could maybe let him rest a couple games or at, their, at minimum let Ranta go for a game or two because they should have home ice, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. 
of that series. So you're going to have that crowd going. It's probably the toughest building to win in, in the NHL right now in the playoffs. Like they've been absolutely rocking on the Boston side of things. I mean, it felt like Bergeron was done just the vibes that I got yesterday. And he's been an all timer for that franchise. I mean, they put up his numbers. He was like fourth in goals and he was up there in games played and, and all these records that he has with the Bruins. But what, what does this group do moving forward? It feels like they aren't in a great spot because they have so much money tied up in these big name guys. So is there really a lot that they can do with this group? They got, unfortunately, their goaltending situation has become a mess because of everything that happened with Rask. And now you don't know, well, do we want to roll with Olmark or do we want to roll with Swayman moving forward? I don't think either one of them is an elite goaltender in the league. They're not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but they're not in that upper echelon of goaltending. So if you're Boston, what do you do? Are you bringing Bergeron back? Or are you letting them walk and rebuilding this thing? What do you think they should be doing? I think you need to beg Patrice Bergeron to come back because we saw this season and it may have looked good at times, but David Krejci being the second line center for this team for so long, it's kind of like with Tuka Rask, Kenneth, that I think Bruins fans are going to be a lot more thankful on Tuka Rask and David Krejci looking back after you just went through the season without either of those two. Tuka Rask was so great in that for so long for this team, just a consistent force. And David Krejci being that second line center for so long, you really saw what those what the absence of the two of them really meant for you in, in terms of being able to perform, but especially come playoff time, where I exactly to your point, like I think Olmark and Swayman, you just need to eat it going into the season again, because I don't think anyone will be willing to take on Olmark. Like he's not a bad goalie per se, but he's I don't think that's someone that you're gonna necessarily trade because especially because a lot of teams are still like are pretty confident of what they have in net. Um, so I think you just need to go with them. And I think with that case, you need to look at what you have. You need to maintain it as much as you can. I agree with you. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Patrice Bergeron, if this was his final uh, go around with Boston. But I think if you're the Bruins, you need to find a way to beg him. If he is considering retirement, let's say, I think you need to try to beg him for one more season because I don't see I don't see an answer to the center. That, the Boston at one point, this is funny, Kenneth, the best collection of centers in the league at one point for a good while in the 2010s. It's, it's about to be all gone at this point. And that that's completely wild. And if Bergeron does leave, whether he goes to another team or if he just retires, uh, the Bruins may have a fall off next season because they, they were kind of shaky coming in. If it wasn't yeah. for the hot run they had, like, I, if. Yeah, I, I think if he does decide to retire, you need to just start calling teams about Pasternak, start calling teams about interest in Marshawn or Hall or whoever it is, because it doesn't seem like, yeah, their center depth just isn't there moving forward. And they're a team that had, they're pretty cap like strung here. So they're, they're going to need to do something moving forward. The second series we're going to talk about is the one that uh, I take sick pleasure in like the fact that they lost. <laughs> and like my dad, even it was so bad that I said, it's a great day when Toronto loses. And my dad, 68 year old dad tweeted at me really because he's a <laughs> diehard Leafs fan. But I, I take a little bit of pleasure in the fact that they lost. So Tampa wins 2-1 to one yesterday. I had them on the daily betting card. I felt like there's still that mental hurdle with them. I don't know what it is. And this is not to say that they didn't play a great series. Toronto played phenomenal. It just felt like they couldn't put away Tampa when they needed to. I felt like they should have put them away in Game 6. They had every opportunity to do so. They dominated that overtime. And then they give up the, the OT winner. And then yesterday, they were the better team for two of the three periods. They just couldn't crack Vasilevsky. I mean, he finishes with 30 saves. Nick Paul with the two goals for Tampa. Unsung hero there. He was our other athlete shout-out of the day. And then on the Toronto side, Campbell didn't play terrible. He made 23 saves, 
uh, Riley scores their lone goal. But what do you make of this series as a whole? Do you think the better team won or do you think that Toronto kind of squandered chances and that's why they're heading home? I definitely think there were opportunities missed here for the Maple Leafs. I will say to me, like it's a it's a coin flip between these two squads in terms of who you want to call the better team. I think both teams are so supremely talented. To me, the the Eastern Conference winner, at least in my opinion on paper, was decided in this series because of how Carolina looked against Boston, because of the inconsistency of Shosturkin, because the Panthers just they didn't look that impressive against Washington. I think the winner of the East came out was coming out of this series. And had it been Toronto, I would have given the, my full confidence in Toronto as well. I think that they had chances to put it away in game six, like you said. Uh, funny enough, it almost played out like last season against Montreal, Kenneth, where game six, they give up a five on three. You know, they go on the five on three trying to kill it. They let up a goal and then they they are the dominating team in OT. And it's just that one goal that makes the difference. Uh, game four, I think when they were up in the series 2-1, they had some opportunities there. But Tampa Bay, like, just shut them down. This is what champions do, I think, is how you break it down with Tampa Bay. And champions are able to overcome this kind of stuff. And for Toronto, man, it just sucks to see because I really think, as opposed to the previous year's teams, I think the best analysis I heard about Toronto was in previous years, you had no hope when it got to Game 7. I think this was the year where you actually believe they could have done it. And it just sucks. Like for so many years, people complain about the divisional format and man, like the fact that we had to get to Tampa Bay, Toronto in the first round, amazing for us. But at the same time, like this should have been a second round uh, conference finals caliber matchup really with, with these two teams trying to get to the Stanley cup final. And the fact that one of them had to lose out this early, it just, it just ultimately at the end of the day sucks, but that's what being a champion is. But I think for Toronto, if there's one thing that they could take from this, you see Tampa, and Steven Stamco said it after the game, Tampa Bay uh, was in Toronto's position. They were the team that kept losing in, in heartbreak after heartbreak. And I think this was finally the year that Toronto can take. I think they could really make a, a real impact next season. If Toronto doesn't get past the first round next year, I think there's real discussions to blow it up. Because this season, I can forgive. You face the back-to-back yeah. defending cup champs. Next season, I think like that needs to be the real year where it's like they need to, they need to get over. Because this team, like they made some real strides this season. Yeah, there, there's no reason to blow it up. And I think anyone who thinks that they should blow it up is being a bit reactionary and probably still not forgiving Toronto for last year, not this year, because, yeah, they had every opportunity to do it. Um, Stamkos made a great point that Tampa was that team for a long time that couldn't get over the hump. They finally did. And then they go on and win back-to-back cups. And I agree. I hate that division format because I looked at the the fact that the winner of them gets Florida, and I'm like... Man, I look at the other side and I'm like, we got Pittsburgh. Like, to me, Toronto beats every team on the other side of the division. Agreed. Like, I think they beat New York. They beat the Penguins. They maybe beat Carolina, but they would beat Boston because I know that Boston has their number, but this year, this Toronto team was a lot different. So I do think that they would win it if that was the case. So I'm okay with them. Like, don't blow it up. Like, I think this is a great group. You just ran into a buzzsaw and you can't overreact and just think that, yeah, well, now we have to blow it up because we couldn't win against, you know, the back-to-back cup champs in the first round. So it is unfortunate for them moving forward. Now, Tampa moving forward, as you said, you think that they're going to go on and and win the East. I 100% agree. I think Florida got the monkey off their back because they hadn't won a series in like 25 plus years. So that was big for them, but it feels like there's different levels to it. And just because you win a first rounder against a Washington team that let's face it, you should have put away in four or five games. They, and you're lucky that it didn't go to seven because it it took some heroics in order to do that. 
I would agree. I, I think Tampa's going to win that series. I think it'll I think it'll still be like six games. Like I do think Florida's going to win a couple. They've got too much talent not to. But I'm excited for the goaltending matchup of Bobrovsky and Vasilevsky. Um, and I said the big difference maker in that Toronto series was just Vasilevsky's just the best goalie in the game. And yeah. I don't think that it's particularly close. Like we have a lot of great regular season goalies, but like you get into the playoffs and it's him and when he's playing Carey Price because Carey hits that other level in the postseason. And he just, he was special yesterday. Like the amount of like cross crease saves and just like reactionary saves that he made. Toronto easily could have had three or four goals. Um, yeah. People will complain about that one that got called back yesterday. I still believe that it's a penalty. They said it yesterday on the broadcast that they also thought you have to call that just because of the fact that it leads to a direct goal. But what were your thoughts on the call before we move on from this? I think it was fair at the end of the day. I get what some people are trying to say because it felt like there were at times a series where the standard was set to let them play. But I just think in a game seven, you you can't make mistakes with calls. And I, I know that one it really goes either way. Like I think if they had allowed the goal to stand, if Tampa Bay fans had an issue with it, I think it's also fair. I think it's to an extent fair that Toronto fans have an issue with it. Yeah. I just think at the end of the day, the call that was, I think in game sevens, the call that was made is the call that should have been made. And you st- like my biggest thing is you still had a chance to win that game. Let- let's be real here. You still had a chance. But like you said, Ken, if it's funny enough, games one through six, Andre Vasilevsky had moments, but he he wasn't like the same that we've seen in the past. But but this was the Andre Vasilevsky game where he just stands on his head. And if you get a goal past him, it was luck. And it, that it was kind of proof. That was like, a snipe from Riley, yeah. like absolute snipe. No goalie in the world is saving that shot. That's exactly. the thing. Like, And so that's where, yeah, Vasilevsky shows up in the big moments because Toronto dominated the third. Like yeah. the entire third period, you were thinking like, man, are they just going to be able to crack them? And you could see the crowd, and it felt like they're not going to do it. Like, you saw it in the fans' eyes. They were just like, man, like, they got us again. And it's because, yeah, maybe it's that call, but maybe it's just you didn't score on some opportunities that you had earlier on in the game. You can't blame it on one call as to why you lost that game. I do think the better team's advancing just from a veteran standpoint. But Toronto's got nothing to hang their heads on. They're, they're going to be a great team for the next number of years. Yeah. And then that other game seven from yesterday, Edmonton and the Kings. I'd never thought in my wildest dreams I'd be saying, Mike Smith with a shutout in game seven <laughs> makes 29 saves in the Oilers advance, led by Cody Cece and Connor McDavid with the goals. Uh, the McDavid part, I could see. But Quick played well yesterday. He had 39 saves. They just couldn't crack Smith. Uh, so. I think everyone felt like Edmonton should win this series. I heard Paul Bissonnette say that he thought the Kings were a glorified AHL team, yet they took them to seven. So is there cause for concern if you're Edmonton? Or do you think that this is just, you ran into a hot goalie, but you were able to crack them in the moments that you needed to, and now you move on to await the winner of, I'm hoping it's Calgary, but Calgary and Dallas. Yeah, we, we want the Battle of Alberta in, in round two because that'll be a bloodbath. And I think that will go seven. My, my thing, so this is my thing with this series and, and also looking forward for Edmonton is that who are you going to face in round two to me is the biggest question because I think if you face Dallas, I think you're going to come up with similar issues because Dallas has a very, I'm not going to say si- similar scheme to LA, but they have the defensive prowess that LA showed in this series to give yeah. Edmonton fits and maybe even at a higher level. Calgary, for all intensive purposes, we know the offensive talent on that team, but I don't think defensively they can shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl as consistently as LA did 
aside from Jonathan Quick, you have Philippe Danault on the LA Kings, who everyone was questioning why they made that signing back in the offseason. This is why they made that signing. Because if you saw, especially in, in, in game one, in game four, like when Philippe, uh, when they put Philippe Danault out there against either the McDavid or Drysaddle line, like he helped play a big role in slowing them down. And I think that was the biggest deal in this series. Edmonton gets the win. I think both uh, both you and me kind of had Edmonton winning the series coming in. We did not bank on, my, on Mike Smith becoming Grant Fuhrer in game seven, but <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, I, I think Edmonton, my concern is if you face Dallas, because that, that defense can do similar things to what LA did. I think if you face Calgary, it, it, it's a little bit more wide open. You're going to get some more like scoring games because yes, Jacob Markstrom has been great this, uh, this season. Vesna trophy candidate for sure. But at the same time, I think like that's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the other side. And if there's someone who can crack the Jacob Markstrom, I put my money on McDavid and Dreisaitl helping to to get that guy you know, some bad games. So I truly do believe that whoever wins game seven tonight is going to go on and beat Edmonton, mm -hmm. but it's only because I don't have, I still don't have faith in Mike Smith moving forward. Like I look at this LA team and I don't see a lot of goal scoring on their side. They're a great defensive team, but like they don't have the scoring firepower, especially of a Calgary because right. Dallas, as you said, they're built similarly to the Kings. Like you don't look at anyone on that Dallas side and you're like, wow, like Joe Pavelski, like, like he had a good year, but you're not thinking of him as like, a Goudreau type. So that, that would be my concern for them moving forward on the King side of things. I mean, I'm not really too sure what they do moving forward because I think they were fortunate to get into the postseason to begin with. Had it not been for the Vegas golden Knights, absolute meltdown down the stretch, then I don't think we see them at all in this postseason. So do they just continue to ride with this group or, or is it finally like, Hey, we're fortunate to get to the playoffs maybe it's time for us to transition to, to maybe a, a younger squad. It's funny. Cause I think to me, LA and Anaheim coming into this year, they were starting those transition periods. You have the young guys in LA or in Anaheim, excuse me, with like Zegris, Milano, et cetera, who, you know, they, some highlight goals from those boys and just getting John Tortorella mad, which is great for all of us. And then you have the Los Angeles Kings. Like I think a lot of people forget you have Turcotte, you have Quentin Byfield, you have Kaliev who got time this year, finally, like, full season in the majors. I, I think it's funny enough. This was kind of the, that transition year. They just happened to make the postseason, kind of like what you said with Vegas completely imploding in on itself as an organization and what, Oh God, what that team has to figure out this summer is uh, something to say the least. But I think if you're LA, I think organizations fall in love when they make the playoffs and they go for pushes again. I wouldn't be surprised if LA tries to make a signing or two in the off season to help, you know, strengthen this team a little bit. And just continue to let the young guys grow. I think the biggest thing will be when eventually Andre Kopitar doesn't need to be your first line center anymore. If you can hope that Turcotte or Byfield can be that guy. I think that's the next big step for LA is that transition period, which I mean, funny enough, LA and Boston, we talk about like the center depth for those teams for so long in the 2010s, Kenneth. LA is in a much better position to eventually have that new first line center. They have a couple guys they drafted the last couple years, and yeah. I, I think they're waiting on those guys to take that next step. I agree. And, and I do think that for the Kings moving forward, this is going to be valuable. Just the fact you got these young guys, uh, some playoff action, even if it's not a first round win at the very least, you got them to play some playoff hockey. And then moving forward, I think it's just going to exponentially grow their, their development. So let's talk about today's game sevens. Uh, we've got two on the slate today. This is awesome to have five game sevens in round one. I just want to say that. Um, we only had one sweep. We had two others go six. Like, like it truly was uh, a great first round in the NHL playoffs. And as I tweeted yesterday, best playoff format in sports. So 
We got the Rangers taking on the Penguins today. Rangers are minus 150. Rangers look dead in the water, even at the beginning of game five when they fell behind. And then the Crosby injury happens. And that's what's so crazy is you take away their leader, their front, their first line center, one of the best players to ever play the game. And the Rangers completely flipped this series. Now they're coming in as heavy favorites. They're at home in this game. Uh, so what do you make of game seven? Who do you think ultimately comes out on top tonight? I think it's the Rangers. I think that blow to the pens of them losing Crosby was just so much. Uh, just, just because it, like in Sid, you literally have a guy who he has seen absolutely everything that you could see in a career for an all-time great. They had success early in his career. He went through the injury issues. He comes out on top, even a better player in his older years, you can argue, a better all-around player than he was when he was younger, when he was Sid the Kid and just flying up and down the ice. And to just lose that, it's just rough. To not have his presence there, I think, is a big deal. Of course, Evgeny Malkin, you know, uh, an outstanding player in his own right, can definitely help fill the offensive void. But I, I think there's just there's that it factor that when Crosby's just not in the lineup, I would equate it to like when the Blackhawks were in their championship window. Had they ever lost Taser Kane in one of their playoff runs, I don't think they end up winning the cup. Had Ovechkin gone down when the Capitals won, I don't think they win the cup because to lose your franchise pieces that are also your captains, like that's such a massive blow. I think the Rangers have finally done what we expected them to do from the start. And that that's just physically wear down the Penguins. That's been the formula to beat them these last couple playoff runs. And I think they finally have hit that stride. And kind of your point, you mentioned Igor Shosturkin. I think this needs to be the game where he kind of has that performance and he shows why he's going to be the likely Vesna Trophy winner this season. Where, Like with Vasilevsky, one goal at most for Shosturkin. And it's not that they need that to win. They need that to give you a semblance of confidence that they could move further in the playoffs. And you need to do that against this Penguins team. Because there has to be a certain level of like doubt in your locker room that even if you win this series, you probably feel pretty fortunate that Sid went down. Yeah. But if you have Shesterkin, he gives up one, maybe two goals if they put like 40 shots on net. Like he just has a make some great saves. They come out on top because you're going to go and take on a Carolina team where right off the bat, you're going to have a tough environment in game one and game two. So I would agree. I do think that the Rangers come out on top. I, I obviously have it on my betting card today. Um, they had Zabinijad came up big in game six. So did Kreider. Cop scored a goal. They need Panarin to have a good game today. Um, I think the key, yeah, I think it comes down to the goaltending today. I don't have faith in Deming to get it done. I think he's been fine for them. I think he's just, once Crosby went out, like everyone, like their play just kind of went from being like A plus down to like a B plus. And it's like, you just, you lose that emotional leader. As you said, you can't lose your captain and then just go on and win games and, and win series. And, and so they're in a difficult spot. They need guys tonight, like, like Jeff Carter needs to have a good day. And like Gensel needs to show up in Malkin, but I do think the Rangers are going to win. Um, I don't love the over underline. I hate <laughs> NHL lines whenever they're at six and a half because like all the games went under yesterday too. Right. So, so anyone who was betting overs yesterday is probably disappointed, but great games nonetheless, like they're phenomenal to watch. So I stayed away from the over under side of things on this. I do think the Rangers advance. But I would take Carolina, who I think will be heavy favorites regardless who, of who comes out of this series to win the next one. And the game seven that I think I've got a buddy of mine in Calgary that's going to be there like watching. And so I'm excited for him today as Calgary takes on Dallas. Calgary are heavy favorites tonight as they have been all series. They were one of the heaviest favorites coming into this series. 
And then a guy named Jake Ottinger had other ideas and, and decided that he was going to play like he was Patrick Waugh for the last six games. So who do you like tonight? I, I think everyone wants Calgary because I, I said it yesterday to some buddies. I think Calgary Edmonton would be the best series in the NHL in a long time. I just, the rivalry there is so intense. Like we talk a lot about playoff rivalries, but they have a regular season rivalry that anytime they match up, it's, it's a bloodbath. And now you, you ramp that up to be in the playoffs, I think would be really exciting, but can Dallas spoil that party? Can they win this game with Ottinger standing on his head like he has, or do you think Calgary comes out on top? I think Dallas has a chance if they continue to do what they've done this series and just shut down that 300-point line. In the regular season, Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk both got over 100 points. And while I think Elias Lindholm fell short, he had 40 goals. So on that one line, you have two 100-point scores and a 40-goal score from the season. But here's the thing. In the playoffs, just the rest of the team, it, they kind of disappeared. I look at the stats. Johnny Goudreau has six points, only one goal in the six games. You have Kachuk, who has four points, uh, all assists. Lindholm, who has three goals. So he's actually kind of showed up in terms of the goal scoring. But then from there, I don't see a lot from everyone else. Mangiapane only has two assists. Uh, no, excuse me, one goal, one assist in the series. Blake Coleman and Cal Yarncrook both only have a uh, single point to their names. Like Dallas has done a stout defensive job here. Uh, I, I was kind of thinking this funny enough, Kenneth, when we were going over that uh, one of the, one of the series we were talking about. Uh, it was the Capitals Panthers when we briefly mentioned them. How Florida was very fortunate that Washington was not up three one because Washington would have ended up winning the series. And honestly, if you look at the game that Florida ended up winning early in the series, game two when they tied it up at one one, they they got like their three goals on like within 10, 12 shots. That is extremely fortunate that they got that lucky. And you really could tell that in the first three games, it was Washington series. I think to this point, Calgary needs to kind of consider themselves lucky because they could have lost game one very easily had Dallas just had a little bit more offensive production. And I, I think Calgary will win. I want them to win, obviously, like you mentioned, because you have the history of the battle, uh, the battle of Alberta. You have those two teams that faced off in the playoffs before. And really the last couple of years, especially last season, because of the all Canadian division, these two teams saw a lot of each other. And look, I, I'm, we're, I'm cool with anyone, but if I have to see you nine times on a very like truncated basis, I think at some point we're all going to look at each other and be like, you know, what, what is this guy? What is this Like, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, that's how it goes down. So I think Calgary will win this because I think this is the game that these guys do step up. But I will say this. If it's like 0-0 going into the third, it's the least shocking thing to me because that is how this series has just felt for the most part. And it's going to be about which goalie breaks first. I think whoever scores the first goal of this game like uh, above any other game seven, I think whoever gets the first goal here is going to end up winning the game. Yeah. That's kind of my thoughts as well. I think if, especially if you let Ottinger set in, like yeah. we, I, I talked about Vasilevsky doing that yesterday, he settled in. It was like the one goal that went past him. It's like, all right, whatever. Absolute snipe, but still stayed grounded, settled in, wins the game, takes the crowd out of it. That's what Dallas can do. And they're playoff tested as well because they've gone on deep runs in the playoffs in recent years as well. So I would like Calgary to win today, um, just because that Battle of Alberta, I think, is going to be so much fun if we get it. Um, and I think a lot of Canadians want to see it as well. Um, so, Jerg, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Before I let you go, who's taking home the Stanley Cup this year that you've seen so far? And oh, uh, where can the folks find your work? Uh, so if I had to give a Stanley cup favorite right now, I will say my matchup as of this current moment is Colorado versus Tampa. 
because I, I think especially if, if Calgary goes down early, I think it's Colorado's taking the West is Colorado's uh, for Colorado. And I, I think they'll finally be able to get over that hump in terms of, oh, man, I see. I want to see a three people so bad, but I want to see Colorado win. But I'm going to say, because I, I've rode with Tampa these last couple of years, I'm going to ride with them again. I will say Tampa three peats it, but I will say that I think the Avs could take them to seven. And it would be the most competitive Stanley Cup final that the Lightning have dealt with easily so far. Uh, in regards to where you could find me personally, at JerkK40 on Instagram and Twitter. I just post a lot of sports stuff. Uh, in terms of podcasts, I do. I've been on you know my good old buddy Bunsen Bruises with bars. I still appear from there from time to time, you know. It, my schedule be damned. <laughs> uh, I also do a funny, a fun podcast with some friends called the Sports Agents of Chaos podcast. That's on the Bunsen Bruises YouTube, and I am part of the Somewhat Sports podcast. Uh, got my hands in a lot of places right now, but I, I just love talking sports. I love talking sports with amazing people, and Kenneth is one of those amazing people who I've always had the honor of being on sp- uh, shows with. Whenever he messages me, I'm always happy, and I'm always sad whenever I don't get the chance. You know, why, we, why do we have to work to live, Kenneth? Why? Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, brother, thank you so much for having me on, and ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you're listening to this for a reason, but if you want to continue to get the best bets in the world for sports, the Competitive Hedge Podcast is the way to go. Yeah, uh, excited that we've moved to the daily format and love the weekends just to break it all down a little bit more in depth. We had Chris LeBron on yesterday to talk the NBA side and then having Jurg on today to talk the NHL was great. Uh, My prediction is I'm going Carolina and Colorado are going to get to the cup final with Colorado pulling it off. Nice. the difficult thing for me with Colorado is that I'm trying to figure out if they were really that dominant or whether Nashville was just that bad. So, <laughs> so that that's where I'm struggling with it. I hope that they, uh, I hope that they move on. Um, my wife is a Colorado fan. I'm not, but uh, I got to pick Colorado if Detroit's not there. So, uh, appreciate everyone who tuned into our live show. Go follow us on all of our social media accounts, Comp Hedge Pod. Uh, we're gonna have our daily betting cards up on there as well. And we will see you guys tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time for the Daily Competitive Hedge podcast.